Welcome to the Meeple Syrup After Show, Designers Discussing Design. We're on episode 77, titled Bored with Tiffany. Sadly, Tiffany did not survive to this level. Uh, we lost her on our quest uh, during the regular <laughs> episode. She didn't level up. She did not level up, but Chris Bryan did, so we're happy to have him here, and who knows, uh, we might have a surprise drop-in guest as well during this after show. Uh, but we were chatting a little bit about uh, the relationship of you know media in the game industry, tackling it from a few different directions. One thing that we didn't touch on, which is actually kind of relevant to all of us, and I know this is something that Tyler has been doing a lot of research on, so I'd love to hear his thoughts on this, but also I'd love to hear what Board with Life has done, Um, and that comes with funding. I mean, there's just a real practical reality to doing media costs time and energy and sometimes money, so uh, curious from everyone, uh, we can talk a little bit from the Meeple Syrup perspective, but what are kind of, what works, what's the pros and cons, what do you think the future of funding for media is? All that fun stuff. Uh, go ahead first, Chris. Um, from our point of view, uh, the only funding we've done... Through, well, not the only funding. Um, the main funding we did for Season 2 was we did a Kickstarter. Um, yeah. That was... We like doubled our goal, and it was very successful. I think the big part of that, why we were successful, is we did Season 1 out of our own pockets. Um, so yeah. people kind of saw a product and liked us before we tried to get money for it. I don't think anyone would have cared had we not already done it. Right. Um, they, they wouldn't have necessarily envisioned what right. they, they were you, coming you showed them. That. You showed them the vision, right. and you delivered on a product. Yeah. And so um, that was great, and it allowed us to get a bunch of equipment and stuff. We still spent more money on Season 2 than we had made. Had. Uh, on the thing, but the thing was, we most of the money was spent uh, on physical stuff, so like sound recorders, right? So stuff that'll last for the next season, exactly. Least, right. And so that was really good. We still never, like, none of us make any money. Our our guest stars and people that travel in and stuff, we pay them some, but uh, still not anything compared to what they would normally get paid. <laughs> um, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we pay, we paid Rip Summer and board games. So there you go. Right there, you go. You, you don't pay scale, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so we did that. Uh, now we're looking at other things because we do the ongoing stuff is like every week I do the news and then we have a weekly podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and we're looking at doing a Patreon for those um, yeah. and kind of splitting the funding because hmm, interesting we, yeah because stuff like Board with Life the series needed a Kickstarter where we needed a whole lot of money all at once to make yeah, a show. right right sure but like the news honestly it's gotten to the point where it is more it's a lot of work for me and. Yeah. Uh, I. It's not that it really costs me any money. It's just that I'm just time. Yeah, and it's like for it to make sense for me to keep doing in my life, I need to get something yeah. for it. Something to help compensate and justify exactly all yeah. the time uh, and work. <laughs> right. Kind of what Daryl and I used to explain is that, yeah, if we don't do this, our wives won't let us do it anymore. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like I've been, I got married like six months ago, yeah. and suddenly time is like a different, has a totally different value. <laughs> like, uh, my my four nights a week of four different board game groups suddenly are not an appropriate. Not no, too much. Yeah, what, what is it about that ring that makes that? Oh, the ring that makes the difference. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, so, so it's a thing where, you know, time has a different value than it yep. did when I started the thing. And then the podcast actually does have some costs associated with it. Sure. Um, and, again, it's just like our time is more valuable. And if yeah. people like it, and, and that's the thing, too, is people want to support people they like. That's something yeah. really cool about board games. So we yes. constantly get people going like, how do I give you money? And we're just like, yeah. you can't. You can't give us money, basically. <laughs> um, so, you know, and and I think I think all of that is good, and I think Patreon's awesome for that. When we did our Kickstarter, Patreon wasn't, I probably existed, but it wasn't really a thing wasn't that people were utilizing. Big. Pretty right. rare. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's that I think if you are going to go that route and you want funding to do a thing you need to like I've been doing the news every week for like three years now and I've never charged for it so you need to do that for a while Um, 
a, pro- a proven track record yet again, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that, that's why I brought up, you know, I know Tyler's been looking into this a lot because, I mean, how many videos have you done now? You're well over 400. Me? Yeah. Oh, goodness, no, sir. Goodness, no. 282. <laughs> so, sorry. So not well over. Uh, well sorry. over 200. Uh, 200. 200 wasn't I, I, over a while I, ago. I will hit 300 in the next two weeks because I am still far behind. But 300 in 300. a year and two months. And that's crazy because we have only done, just to put it into perspective, maple syrup, we've only done, I think, 150. Yeah, and we do weekly shows. And we do weekly shows. So, like, that is, it just blows my mind that we've been doing this for, you know, coming up to two years, and you've been doing it for one year yeah, for free. And just Perfect. putting out an insane amount of content. Yeah, so. and your con- your content, though it's in the end shorter, obviously, it's a lot more effort in terms of scripting oh, and that kind of thing. I mean, what do we what do we, yeah. we put up a stream and we ask questions and we interact with the audience and we book our guests. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about it. It's uh, it's very difficult. Um, I, I mean, yes, I get paid in board games. Some people would say, and I've had very at-length conversations with other reviewers of, oh, you need to start charging for this. Well, yeah, but I also need to build my brand, and, you know, some videos might have 2,500 views, some videos might have 3,000, some videos might have 20 views. All depends where it's posted, what interest there is in the game. Um, I just make the video if that company wants to use it as an outlet and say, hey, look what this guy did. Well, I mean, that's up to them. I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I get frustrated sometimes because it is a lot of work that I'm doing for free. And sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, sometimes helping people, you know, do $76,000 Kickstarters. And yeah. I'm like, hmm, maybe I can charge to. them $100 to do this for yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could have spared 100 bucks. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's there's something on, you know, the back end that could happen. If you can make an arrangement, you know, like let's let's say, I mean, and that's like it's not necessarily doing it on spec, but it's the idea of like, hey, if you if you fund, how about you, you know, spread some of that the way in the way that I gave you what you needed, which was a playthrough video or a review video or whatever. Um, you said you had nothing at the beginning. If your thing funds, you're going to have what you asked for, or, or more than what you asked for. So build something in <coughs> to that to pay back yep. in some way. I think that um, might talk, be legit. Talking about someone who gives a lot <laughs> That's right. and uh, and in the community, you know, people have come alongside and supported him back. You got the J.R. Honeycutt in the house. J.R., can you can you cut some promo for us because I love it when you do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, my name is J.R. Honeycutt and I'm here to talk to you about the most amazing, transcendent, fantastic game about show about game design you've ever heard north of the border, south of the border, east, west of the border, up, down, around, anywhere you want to go. The show for you is the Meeple Service Show coming live from Canada in 2016 with my friends Double Post, Manju's Canadian national hero and the godfather himself. Oh! Sin Fong Lim, everybody. The Meeple Woo! Service Show. I love it. So what's going on, JR? Not much. Uh, I'm actually just about to go to bed, but then Daryl sent me the link, and I was like, oh, I'm going to say hi to my friends. Yeah, I wore the Nerd Nighter shirt the other night. I appreciate it, man. It's very you. comfy. I like did it. You survive, did you survive the tornadoes? Oh, did my gosh. It wasn't bad. We did get a ton of hail, but Andrew, like during our show, Ace had to like disconnect and jump into the closet. Yeah, oh, I was. Curious. Yeah, we had like tor- like I was driving up from a meeting and there were like tornadoes <laughs> touching oh, down. Oh, the tornado it's touched down across the street from his house. Yeah, like oh. like it's Texas, so I assume that's like when it snows for you guys, right? Because uh, it happens <laughs> literally. Like... Tornado as much as it snows here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean we, we actually get we get. Uh, twisters here too. But. Really? Yeah, we just we actually we just got a twister recently. I got hailed like crazy. Yeah, and we got, got and like, one got it touched down not too far from here. This season, every like maybe two weeks, we'll have tornadoes. Two weeks? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we're like in the tornado alley. They call it. Oh my yeah. goodness, we, we that get, scares uh, me. When, when are ours mostly Tyler or like end of summer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. 
I, See, End of Summer Storms up up Elderton and all that. The, in, like yeah. in the very, it's just basically farm fields. Yeah. So it just rips right across the north end of our city. Or or Godrich every seven. Godrich. Years. He goes. Oh, Godrich just gets destroyed every seven <laughs> years. It's like a plague that comes and descends upon Godrich. Beautiful beach town. Beautiful yeah. beach town. Just, <laughs> just, yeah. Actually, if, if you go somewhere. if you go there in the summer, you may also find Jason Kotarski there. Yes. Mm. It's yeah, his secret little hiding spot. Yeah. He has he friends up there. And he goes and. and Camps out in gay games and stuff, so good time, good times. So, uh, oh, Jr's gone. Where's he going? Tornadoes, man. He's oh, tornadoes. He's hiding. He's hiding. Tornadoes. <laughs> on on the on the note of tornadoes, I feel like there's not enough tornado games in this world. I had a this is kind of tangential. I had a dexterity game I was playing with for a little while. Yeah. Um, called Flick Adventures. Um, and my favorite mechanic in the whole thing was there would be a sandstorm. Where you took a big wooden disc and put it on its side and flicked it like a coin, and anybody it, it would knock out. Nice. And that was everyone's favorite when they drew the sandstorm card. They yeah. Were just so excited. That is a fun. So 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 Chris, if you could take that game, that little part of the game, and make it into a bigger game, what would that look like? An entire thing based around like the dexterity mechanic of the, the sandstorm. Disc. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not kidding because I'll push this in a direction once you start talking. Go. It'll be, um, it'll be Dune. No, I'm just yeah, I mean, so yeah, so you're spice on, must flow. Yeah, you're on like a, a sci-fi desert planet, and like at the end of each round, that will go. And let's say it's a worker placement game, but you know, <laughs> nice. that is a thing, and you can That's bid influence nice. on like the tornado god track, where you can influence to be the one that flicks it, nice. and you can knock other people's workers off, and then you have scavengers after they've been knocked off. Everybody has some scavengers that can run onto their spots and kind of pick up. The missing stuff. Nice. Yeah, that could be uh, I just I just thought of a tornado game that actually. Okay, go ahead. Tornado Ellie. Oh yeah, yeah. That was oh, a did, Hooch and Friends. Hooch had something tornado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It's and like then, a, uh, you like stack while it like spins. I forget how it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, I know that Eric Eric Lalonde, not Eric Lang, Eric Lalonde is uh, doing a like a, a storm a storm chaser game. Oh, yeah. cool. Twister the game. Well, yeah, see, yeah. a Storm Chaser game would be okay because really, who wants to play a game where people's houses get destroyed, lives lost, cattle gone, and just, you know, <laughs> know insurance man. companies paying out everything? It's like, it's like cleaning up Agricola. Yeah. <laughs> I would say anyone that has kids under the age of 12. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like downfall of Pompeii. That's super yeah. fun. Yeah. Throwing yeah. people in the volcanoes. Come on. No, my, anyway, my, my, my reason for asking, Chris, is that I know that uh, a publisher of, of fine dexterity games is looking for their next fine dexterity game. So oh. if you can think of something, let me know, and we'll, we'll put you in contact. Wow. Yeah, that sounds great. I got a new version of Flick 'em Up right here. (laughs) That is the publisher. (laughs) Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Uh, Hey, Jr. What are you? What What are you doing? I'm loving it. I'm loving that he's dancing, but I'm curious. What's up? What's up with you, bro? He's dancing. What's up with some of the stuff you're working on? I mean, we haven't. It's weird that we don't regularly have you as a guest because. You are now not only a designer of many things, but you develop things and do all this work for like different designers and companies and you name it. What what are some stuff you're working on, dude? I've gotten very lucky in that I have sort of become like the legacy developer in some ways. Ba boom, mic drop. Yeah, like I've had I get to have a lot of private conversations about very cool game ideas, but right now. Um, <clears throat> Well, the game that I was working on, the last time I was on the show, was Seafall. Right. Uh, and Seafall, of course, designed by Rob, uh, is uh, already o- available for for uh, pre-order on Cool Stuff Inc. and will be available for pre-order soon. And it's going to be. Might recognize Tom, a specific name on the rule book. I think you got to see that recently. Yeah, Kevin Wilson is the original <laughs> developer of that game, uh, which I didn't know. When Rob asked me, he was like, yeah, you know, I had a developer before, and it's for whatever reason, it didn't work out, so I'm going to bring you in to finish it. And I was like, okay, cool. I didn't know that the original developer was freaking Kevin Wilson. <laughs> it's like, wow, so my name is sandwiched in between two of the best designers that I've ever had the opportunity to speak with. Um, yeah, there you go. Which is pretty cool. Um, so Seafall is done. I, actually, Dirk and I had the conversation tonight. Uh, we sent the email that said, is Tesla versus Edison expansion done? Yes, it's done. Nice. Card, cards are locked. Files are locked as of today. Um, 
I'm now excited it, to try that. Don't quote me on that. That may not end up being true. You guys know how this goes, <laughs> but at least for right now, right now we we're done. Um, this moment, you have a little mental relief. That's right. Just oh in yeah, time we're day. so close to pressing print on a few things that it's like, is it done? Yeah. Somebody needs to feed back to me that it's done, that I can tell them it's done, and we can press print. Well, the interesting thing is, we're taking the game to Kickstarter in April. I'm not sure exactly the day, but probably the second half of April. Um, the expansion, which is really cool, and I've gotten, to, I've been developing this thing for four months, and I've gotten to uh, poke through these systems and really get to know Tesla versus Edison really well, which is a game that I hadn't played before I accepted the job to develop it, um, which ended up turning into full-time development work for Artana. Um, but it's really cool. It, it's actually, it's a really interesting challenge to take a game outside the scope of something I might normally play and have to learn it really intimately. Because, like, I mean, like, for instance, I've played Concordia 22 times since January 1st of last year. Matt Gertz's phenomenal hit. One of them was with Chris uh, at a local convention down here. I love Concordia. And if Matt Gertz is like, hey, do you want to develop the next Concordia expansion, like, my jaw would fall off. But I would know exactly, or at least I would have a great idea of, like, what pressures he was talking about because I'd played the game so much, right? But in Tesla, a lot of it has been, like, discovering the game from a different perspective than what Dirk has as a designer. Sure. Um, and it makes for some really interesting discussions and really interesting Oh, totally. I think that's really neat. Yeah. It's pushing you outside of your comfort zone as well, which is cool. For sure. And it's, it's a super nice gesture of him in the first place to trust me with the thing that he uh, did such a good job with in the first place and really appreciates. I um, like the money in that game. Oh, so yeah, it's pretty great. The money's um, quite nice. We had a discussion about blind bids and whether or not they were possible given that money. It all has yep. the same backs. So you can flip it yep. over and hide yep. how much you have. Uh, it was really interesting. So... Uh, we've got that Tesla versus Edison Kickstarter hey, you next know what? Tell, tell yeah. Dirk to just release the money, and I'll buy a lot of the money. Uh, I think it's going to be available for purchase in the next Kickstarter. Oh, nice! Um, I, I would actually buy decks of that money. Yeah, I know. It's it's actually really cool prototyping money too, right? Yeah, because exactly. Mm-hmm. The right denominations and everything. Well, and Ar- Artana has done a coin yeah. Kickstarter before, so yeah. I just find yeah, coins to be heavy and bulky and costly versus money. Yeah, yeah I mean, Although I hate paper money. No, I, like I think they money. did. Different monies too in that Kickstarter, no? Did they? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. I didn't look at it because of coins, and it's like, ah, uh, it I don't want to prototype it. Before my time with the company. Um, another thing we've got going on. I have been working very hard. I'm the primary developer on Chronicles Bronze Age, which is the second in a series of six legacy games. Echo, 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 Echo. As an Echo game, they're all Echo games in the ecosystem, where each game, which is contained as a legacy game for its own, then carries for its assets and decisions in the next game, and this is the ecosystem. Oh, okay, um, so again, people have been asking me, because I, like I said, I think it is, but I don't know, and so you've just confirmed that it is a legacy game in in itself, and then the decisions can carry on to the next age. Yeah, correct. Okay, the decisions do carry on. The idea is that you will play the Stone Age game, for which I am the secondary developer, uh, Mac Cameron, a super super talented uh, writer with a degree in creative writing who's just a brilliant writer uh, and also a developer who lives in Boston. Great kid. Um, I say kid because he's like younger than 30. Um, he is the primary developer on Stone Age. He and I and Rob and Dirk all work on this game uh, regularly. In fact, he spent a few hours today working on it. And then also Bronze Age and the primary developer for uh, Stone Age is this cooperative competitive game of like petty politics telling the stories of these tribes in the Stone Age. And then the consequence is that each of these tribes is going to have its own tribal sheet uh, where the decisions that you make in the game and the consequences of your actions carry forward and seed larger kingdoms that you then play in a Mediterranean-style trading game in the Bronze Age. Um, and it's like these... setting the stage exactly. for your next game experience. Exactly. And it is, it is uh, obviously an ambitious project, and it is large, and it is difficult, but like, like what awesome things are not, right? It's worth like, a try. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I get to work with Dirk, who's a brilliant designer, and I get to work with Rob even more, which has been fantastic, obviously. Um, and it's cool. You know, it's nice to work on stuff that... I mean, other people are making legacy games, right? Gloomhaven's coming out, Seventh Continent is coming out. Like, other legacy games exist. Are you working on one, Chris? a legacy game. I am not. I'm not working on a legacy game. You're not working on a legacy? It's not no. kicking around in the back of your mind a little bit? Mm-mm. Oh, I mean, I have ideas for them, but... There you uh, go. There you go. No, no. Can't turn that I, off. I'm, I, I don't think I can just jump into making legacy games. I think I'm still making it. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Fantasy, fantasy hey. baseball. That's right. Yeah. Legacy, fantasy, fantasy baseball. Well, yeah, you know, guys, one of those buzzwords. Did yeah. you see the um, 
Uh, you guys saw the AEG card game that you can like add stats yeah. to and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah Mystic Veil. That's, that's it. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. um, yeah, yeah. It's like you I've do been, news. I have, yeah, I've been saying since Gloom came out. The original, yes. Yes, yeah. they, that needs to be in that more games. Like, yeah, I'm sure you know, it's plastic true. cards are kind of expensive. But, oh. like, there, there are so many applications. Like, yeah, I can't believe yeah. there aren't worker placement games where you chain yep. the board and, like, all that. Like, yep. it really... Uh, I just knocked my microphone out. Uh, it really it's needs fashion, to be... Baby. Fashion, baby. Yeah. And so, so I'm, I'm really happy to see it in another game, finally. Yeah. Finally. Hey, Chris, what uh, what is your schooling in? I just... Because I, I know you're talking about... Uh, well, when you're talking about narrative design and skills and things like that. What is your schooling in? Um... My school, like my uh, degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got it in uh, radio, television, and film production. With the okay, that's what I thought. I thought oh, it was something in, in film and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say marine biology, and I was so oh, excited. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the biology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Oh no, that's cool. Um, and so you're not interested in legacy with that a background no. in, in film and I, production. I very much, I very much am. I just. I don't feel confident yet in competing in that. Ah, well, okay, I see. I think, and I, and also a lot of my interest, I think, falls in kind of the role-playing game side of it, the storytelling game side of it, where right. creating, like, a construct for people to, like, create narrative and such. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, I mean, if I had been designing games for five years, I'm sure I would be all over yeah. trying to make a legacy game, but right now I'm just kind of, like, you trying heard to get some games... Us. Yeah. You need five years' experience before you dabble <laughs> in the legacy. Yeah. I got I got a couple more years to go, and yeah. I can I can work on my legacy. Yeah, I'm still I'm still <laughs> trying to like you know get a game on a shelf, and I I'm still learning a ton about like what goes into you know now that I've signed a game, it turns out to be way more work after I signed it than I yep. thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise! So, I had to shelve. You were done. <laughs> yeah, I had to shelve a lot of my uh, my design work in order to like develop and kind of move forward with that. So yeah, um, I'm still learning the industry uh, for sure. Here is the funny thing. I used to think when designers said, "Oh, you know, I don't get to play that many games. I'm so busy." I was always like, "Yeah, whatever, bro. That's just that's just a cop out. Whatever." Mm-hmm. But, like, it is, like, I played 1,800 games last year, and I have logged, my rate has gone down to, like, 40% of that this year. I don't even think you want to know how many games I don't play. (laughs) I don't play many games at all. I didn't play 1,800 games last year. That's how much work I've been doing. Yeah, you've been busy. (laughs) Working it hard. Come on. Yeah. Seriously, everyone else plays 1,800. Yeah. Chris, I'll have to get you a a copy of um, Mythos. Well, I don't know if we're calling it that anymore. There might actually have been a game that released with that name. But we're uh, storytelling, kind of a uh, board game bound role-playing-ish. Oh, is this Toy Vault? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So I'll have to get you a copy of that. Just oh, to, sounds uh, really cool. Yeah, When's that, when is that coming out? God only knows. Oh, I don't but know. like this this year? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, I know that, I mean, we're supposed to have Outlander done this year. Right. Uh, which is... We're just trying to. We need some feedback, and then we're gonna punch through the rest of the series. Will it be at Gathering? Yes. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess I can bring that to Gathering to, you know. Sweet. I mean, just to play test. That. Ed'll be there. That'll be good. I, I can play test with Ed, um, and make sure that gets to where it should be. Because I mean, there were strict deadlines, and then all of a sudden, there's no communication about the deadline. So. Um, there, that usually means the IP holder had some weirdness about it, like no, let's push that back or whatever. Working on licensed products is fun. <laughs> no, it's okay. Awesome. It's just, it's just sometimes you get in, in weird, weird situations. So, I was, you know what? I was just thinking too. Thinking back, uh, I remember, um, Chris, you you played the Walled City at Gen Con two years ago. That's yeah. right. That was, uh, yeah, I remember met. you were one of the only media people nice enough to play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember actually being that guy who was going around like, hey, anyone willing to just like yeah. try it? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll play. I like playing games. But uh, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> people, I warn you now, do not be shocked when uh, you have a game and nobody knows who you are or never heard of your game. It's tough to convince People, because time is precious at conventions, mm-hmm. um, it's tough to get reviewers to, to see your game. Um, yeah. 
It, I mean, a lot of uh, media people have a lot of meetings at things like Gen Con where they're meeting with different publishers or mm-hmm. um, they're getting previews of stuff. So unless unless your publisher is doing that kind of work and you're instead, you know, lone Joe trying to get the word out there, I mean, I think I think that's practical advice for people to really, you know, get get the right expectation. It's gonna be tough. Keep trying and. I feel like if you're at Gen Con, we I played your game at the Shut Up and Sit Down board that's with right. life gathering that we had off-site, so that's good, because people are just there to play games. Yeah, um, that was my strategy. That was the yeah. only place I could find people to, it's like, yeah. hey, we're supposed I, to be playing games, right? So, I feel like winning at Gen Con is, like, midnight to 4 a.m. Yeah. on those tables. Like, I, that's the only time I get to play games, and that's kind of my favorite part of Gen Con. Like, Gen Con is great for what it is, for, like, everything's there, but yeah. I much prefer stuff like uh, Board Game Geek and stuff like yeah. that. Um, where, like, I pitched at Gen Con, and it is just hectic and oh. insane and a nightmare. And I pitched at Board Game Geek Con, which yeah. the negative is that it's later in the year, so most people sure. already have their slates done. Sure. I was lucky enough that Action Phase liked my game enough that they shifted some stuff around to get it out in 2016. Yep. Because yep. um, I pitched to them there, uh, and it was such a better experience. Because like it, when I, I set up a couple in advance, and then I set up a couple where I'd like go to the publishers and like talk to them, and I did speed dating and stuff. And every single one of them, it's a, the game I pitched that it will now be Darwinots. It was Galapagos Expeditions. There, um, mm. when I pitched it, is like a thirty-minute game. Right. So every single one, I got to pitch it to them and sit down and play an entire 30-minute wow. game. And That's every great. single one of them sat and talked to me about it for 30 to 45 minutes afterwards. That's incredible yeah. quality Which time. That would never, ever, never. ever, ever happen yeah. at Gen Con. Like, unless There's you're, like, no Rob Daviau or somebody. Sure, like, sure, sure. So, one of those big wigs or, like, yeah. the legacy developer. Yeah. So, like, because <laughs> Board Game Geek Con, nobody's, like, Every, everyone at Gen Con is hustling. Like everyone's yeah. trying to sell as many games as possible, pitch as yeah. many games as possible, all that stuff. At Board Game Geek Con, everybody's just there to play games. And like the people that are selling games, they know they're not going to sell a ton of games. That's not what it's about. Yeah. So they're not worried about letting yeah. their booth different sit expectations, for an hour. Yeah. different yeah. vibe. Yeah, definitely. So one of the one of the funny things about BGG Con is like watching the people whose job is primarily marketing in the industry. And watching those people, like, watch it hit, like, 11 p.m., and they're, like, at the hotel and, like, don't know what to do. Yeah. Because <laughs> their job is done. Right. Like, yeah. in, in, any, in any other convention, that's when they go hit the bars and have drinks yeah. and so yeah. they work and shoes and yeah. they work it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead, yeah. they're just, like, cracking open beers in the middle of BGG, and they're, like, simulating the bar experience with yeah. a room yeah. full of tables. Where, like, <laughs> five feet away from them is, like, seven dudes playing Container, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the most non-beer-related game you could think of? Exactly. Container. No, Container being the most Euro-y game I could think yeah. of. Uh, at this time, yes. That would Open be economy. Yeah, right. Daimacher. Daimacher might be even more. Right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't speak Dimacher. that language, so I'm sorry. That's Dimacher. okay. Daimacher. Um, so, if we're ta- I mean, conventions and all that kind of stuff, and board game media. Uh, Tyler, are you actually audio? Good yep. audio? Okay. You're still quiet. Yeah, you're you, so quick. You guys are having a good conversation. I don't know. Oh, but well, get in on it, buddy. Get in on it. This is your time to shine. Um, Tyler, what are you what are you thinking this year in terms of conventions and going to things, and how is that going to change your approach for your media and your social interaction? What do you think? People will somewhat know who I am at least. They'll recognize the shirt and go, "Oh yeah, you're that guy." Yeah, here we'll we'll pity you, and give you a game to review. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for bringing some numbers our way. Hope we sell yeah. a couple copies. I've been and with you at cons, dude. Stupid on, on YouTube for us. Okay. <laughs> I've been with you at cons, dude. Publishers love you. Yeah, they, once they, they get to know me, they love what you're doing. They love your approach. Uh, we'll see. I have 2016's <laughs> gonna change, bitches. That's gonna change. <laughs> hey man, if you want if you want to review Tesla versus Edison powering up from Artana. I will hook you up. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man. It's kind of funny. You know, um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there because uh, JR's... Oh, wait, was that a that. plug for your game? 
Mikey? Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. I lost my train of thought. Oh, God, no, it wasn't. Not at all. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. actually, the, the rights have reverted to us, so it's no longer published by anybody. So. Guys, I'm sorry. I lost my Belfort for a second. I lost my Belfort. <laughs> I dropped my Belfort. I got to pick it up. Get walled in here in this city. Oh, Daryl. Uh, no, there was uh, something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, what was it? Keep talking, guys. I'll think about it. Um, I am looking forward to going to Origins and meeting a lot of people that I have gotten to know over the last, uh, I don't know, nine months. I think you'll have a good time there because you'll have the the time and space to do that at Origins. It's a much lesser, it's much less hectic than... Yeah, because my first first five months of getting on my feet, I didn't know anybody what I was doing. Then after I went to Gen Con last year, that's when things really took off and now I've gotten to chat with people over the internet and social media, as we said earlier this evening. So now I'll actually be able to go up to JR and say, oh, hey, JR, we've met oh, a couple times, we've chatted, blah, blah, blah. You could you have said that anyways. You know what it's going to be like? And maybe only JR will catch his reference, but it'll be like Jerry Maguire, where he walks the guy through the hall. Yep. I yeah. get to walk through the hall with Tyler and... <laughs> Everyone's oh, gonna, yeah, no, we've heard of you. We've heard of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, the next Gen Con will be my fifth Gen Con. My first Gen Con was the first gaming convention I ever went to that wasn't, like, for tournament magic or whatever. And I didn't know anybody, and I wasn't... I had just started Nerd Night in DFW, and it wasn't even a thing that I really talked about yet. Um, my second Gen Con was right after I did the first National Nerd Night. Uh, and I talked to a lot of people at Nerd Night, including people in the industry and stuff like that. The third one was, like, full-on. We did our first Incon Nerd Night. Last year was, like, year four. And last year, it completely felt like work the entire time. <laughs> like, like, it was just work. I had, I had what was it? I had six games with six different publishers, all pulling me a hundred different directions. I had stuff that I wanted to pitch. I had a full-time job with Brad, and I had Nerd Night. And it was, like, just the most insanely stressful thing. And then, like, it hit me. I was like, like this is like like a bellwether moment, right? Like, oh, now I'm part of the industry, and I know what it feels like to go to Gen Con, and when I'm done, to, like, melting into a puddle, right? Yeah. Like, oh. So what are you going to do this year, Jer? Is uh, it probably only bigger? The same thing I do every year, Pinky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, I'll tell you, the, the one thing, um, I mean, obviously, even that aside, Gen Con is the best, because it is... Occasionally, it's like the one or one. There are a lot of people that I see only once or twice a year, and Gen Con is one of those times. Um, I'm really excited because Seafall is being released at Gen Con, and there was talk for a while that it might not happen for Gen Con. Yeah. Um, Rob is going to get to bring his family to Gen Con. Oh, nice. And they've never been to a big convention with him, so he is going. They're going to get to see him at the absolute pinnacle of his game, right? Releasing Seafall to this massive thing, so like cool. like it's been. So hot, and I, I'm not. I'm excited to watch Rob get yeah. to finally, after like four years of work, experience his I game, mean, his yeah. design, his work, all these things. And I can't wait to like. He deserves so much credit for. It. I cannot wait to see that for him. Right? It's gonna be really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're gonna have fantasy, fantasy baseball in print for Gen Con, I think. Yep. Yep. It'll be there. Yeah. So like. Oh! Oh! Daryl, you should get like a mascot costume. I'll wear it around as the fantasy fantasy baseball guy. Awesome. Talk to Fabio. He'll do it. He would make that. Fabio. Fabio would... will definitely get you to wear a mascot suit. If oh, that'll, that'll be hot and stinky. Just ask Michael Crow. <laughs> Just well, like this guy, yeah. hot and stinky. <laughs> Michael Crow's night. It's gonna be good. It's gonna like so like last year I had a couple of games of Gen Con and it was cool, but this year like. Getting to share that moment with Rob, getting to share that moment with Daryl is going to be fantastic, right? Yeah, it'll be fun. So, I, Rob Rob Lundy is going to be at Gen Con. Oh, really? Oh, is he coming? Good. Yeah, Good that just just was. Uh, I just was talking to him. He's confirmed to come to Gen Con, so we'll, the whole party will be together in person. Uh, so we'll have to specifically, you know, pick an hour where we're all in the same spot at the same time. Absolutely. Um, but also on the Rob Lundy note, he is booked to be on our show in two weeks. So well, count um, me as an audience uh, member for that one. Um, but yeah, we only have two more weeks before we're taking a break. I don't know if you know about this, Jr., but we're uh, breaking the news that we're taking a break over the summer, the con summer. Um, so we have two more weeks. Uh, next week yeah. we're gonna be. You guys uh, start your summer in April. Yep, we start. Yeah. I mean, in Canada, we're just so happy to not see, see the snow sun. <laughs> right. See sun that we start calling it con summer. 
So. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of it kind of goes with the school season as well for me. So. I say it's weird. Daryl, baseball starts and maple syrup stops. Well, <laughs> on that note, today I did purchase twenty six games worth of tickets. He did. Nice. He did. And I'm down to eight. Wow. Yeah. They're pretty going like hotcakes. That's They're good. Like hotcakes. They're going I know, like hotcakes. I actually know what I wanted to say before. Um, oh, Matt, Matt Loomis was one of the ones who had commented about uh, you know negativity and that kind of stuff, mm. and. I think a Matt Loomis review show would be hilarious. Matt Loomis or or James Matthew or them together. Yes, Matt. Oh, and, and then you know that. Well, it'd just be funny. I think that'd be hilarious. I think it'd be incredible. I wanna I wanna see a hate on show. Yeah. <laughs> How to ostracize yourself from the industry in one fell swoop? I still think it would work. I still <sighs> think it would work. Well, you know, I think that that is kind of kind of going back full circle into our, our review and media content thing as uh, you know Tiff's right there's a lot of overwhelming positivity I mean I'm just reading a, a thread on Rado and people are criticizing Rado for being very positive and then people in the know say well no he just doesn't want to review things he doesn't like he doesn't want to spend yeah, he the he effort he just doesn't do bother reviewing other games yeah so I, I get it but then I think people actually do want some more critical reviews uh, because then they might actually you know, learn what they like and don't like, as opposed to just being force-fed the same hotness over and over again, right? So, anyways, it's think, just just a thought. I think with that, I think honestly, I think that's one of Shut Up and Sit Down's appeals that I don't think a lot of people recognize is that they're yes. fine being harsh to a game. Yep. yep. Yeah, because they're covered up with humor. Right. Really and, and it doesn't it doesn't mean that I agree with them, no. but. They can do that, and they've also... It's all about setting your boundaries, right? So if, like, you're always positive, and then all of a sudden you're, like, incredibly mean to a game, like, that's uncalled for. It's hard. You mean, like, burning one in a, in a recycling bin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you know, you kind of learn. And then the reviewers that you watch, you kind of understand what a bad review... It's like what Tiffany was saying, where she's like, I'm more enthusiastic about some games, where it's like, she's always going to yeah. act, like, treat it as if the game is good, or there's value in the game, but you can certainly tell when yeah. they actually read between the lines, good, right? Yeah. And yeah, I don't disagree that it, you know, I, and I think it will happen where uh, you know other media like it's not like every movie critic has to like be positive about movies for fear, but no. it is, it is, um, it's a small industry, man, and yeah. like you and, know everybody. And let, 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 let's talk about that for a second. About if we were paid by not anything else. Like, if, mm -hmm. if we were paid by an independent news source, sure, and we were paid to provide news or reviews that were unbiased, and we weren't getting copies from companies, and we weren't, you know, would it be different? Could yes. you be more yourself? Could yes. you could yes. you yes. review things with a negative light on it? What do you think? I've have, I have 100% pulled reviews that I wrote. I've, I've pulled reviews that I wrote. Like, I've, I've canceled 5,000, 8,000 words before because I looked at it and I was like, I can't do this to this person that I know well. There's just yeah. no upside, right? I, I think the thing is, is there are a couple of people that can and some of them don't. Um, where, like, shut up and sit down. They got big enough. Yep. They can, and also people respect them, you know. So I think the British come, accents add to that level of respect. Yeah. Well, well, well if I wore a monocle, would that yeah. work? Yeah. They come from a video game background, so like there is legit video game criticism, right? And that's yes. that's not yeah. weird. Where yeah, I think if it's just it's hard to have any sway or weight to what you're saying and respect for it if you're not completely established. Um, and so then I think it is hard to get to that established point with that. So I, I don't know. It's, it's hard. There's, there's only so much money on the media side of board games right now that it is certainly a challenge to do that. Um, I agree. So, yeah. yeah. It's also not fun, right? Like, writing a negative game review isn't fun. Right. And there are so many people who do reviews... Part time, yeah, like, yeah, and that for love and the passion of uh -huh. it, right? Right. Like I, t I tell people, I tell the writers for the Nerds Table, which for context is the site that I 
own and uh, and and the editor for. Like, only write reviews for games that you feel something about, right? Like, like actually that you feel something. You played it and it made you feel. And then I want your review to just be you trying to describe what that feeling was and why the game created it, right? That's it. That's it. That's like, what that's what I pay. That's what I would pay good money for, to be honest. Right. Like I don't need to hear like I don't need. I, I'm guilty of this too as a writer, but like I'm not. Rules, rules re- replays. Yeah, like I I like I like a 500 words of what the what the premise of the game is and what you're doing and why. But then like I try to make sure every review that I write is like also like how this made me feel and why, right? Like what pressures did I feel? What tensions existed? All these things. Um, but like it's it's so easy like and and, I'm, and it's frustrating now like trying to get reviews for a game like say Tesla, you know you're gonna ask reviewers to do this and it's like all right well you know they might write 500 words and it might be like this is what the game is and I played it and it was fine you should try it or something, and it's like okay like the words exist but what like what passion exists right like what what has been contributed here and I would rather have a passionate negative review than dozens of bland unemotional reviews right. What someone could do is they could do like you know, four out of five stars, except it's toilet paper rolls. So is four out of five toilet paper rolls good, or was it shitty, or are they empty toilet paper rolls? And it's like, yeah, it was a real crappy game. I had to wipe myself with this many toilet paper rolls. The whole night came back to poop. Uh, Oh, that's what the circular... I I think it's the thing, too, where a lot of people confuse overviews as reviews, right. it's like, I'll give you an overview, and then I'll give you, like, a second. A on, like, it was pretty yeah. good. Where, you know, nobody in, like, movies or video games or anything, it's not like there are people that are reviewing video games that are, like, explaining for 90% of it, like, what the mechanics of the game are, <laughs> what the motivations. It's They're talking about how they liked playing it. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's okay, Chris, if you say no, and that's fine, because you probably don't know who I am at all. Um, if you haven't seen any of my videos, that is okay. Just admit it, because people, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen your stuff. No, you haven't. Just yeah. admit it. Yeah, I've seen your stuff, Tyler. Because that's all I do is over. Tyler, and Tyler. I, will, I will give, like, a 45-second review of it before or after. Tyler will never say something negative on his videos. Oh, just and, and that's fine. I've, I've, got, I've got a whole thing... <laughs> Up, I'm poking, I, I'm poking the bear. I don't mean to say that there isn't a value to overviews, because there are. What I'm saying is I think... Okay, well, so the Dice Tower, right? They're a review network, right? Yeah. Yep. They're mainly overviews. Yeah, they're overviews. You look at somebody like Rado or Watch It Played, and they don't really do reviews. No. They, like, like Rado does his like final thoughts as like a separate thing. Yeah. But like... They do overviews, and they don't dress it up as if they're doing a review. Like, watch it played. Like, Rodney goes, like, I will not, like, on social media, he won't say whether or not he likes a game or not. He says that he won't do a, you know, a rule thing for a game that he doesn't at least enjoy. But that's what I mean is, like, those guys are not saying that they're doing reviews. They're doing overviews, where I think the Dice Tower also does overviews. And it's almost like seeing components more than anything. Because they get shorter and shorter and shorter, yeah. but they're obviously like the the reviewers, right? The like popular reviewers. Whereas I think Shut Up and Sit Down actually does reviews. Yeah. Um, so good or bad, I think that's a thing that um, kind of gets convoluted a little bit um, in our hobby. It's there's interesting a, because oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Sandy, there's a game on Kickstarter right now, Watchmen of Destiny. Great little card game. Um, I'm sure Rado did his full video, and that's, you know, 40 minutes long or whatever, and then he has his seven-minute final thoughts. My whole video was under five minutes, and I'm like, okay, if you can't do your whole thing in less time... Well, that's, his whole, that's his whole point, is this long, drawn-out, like, you're with him, and that's why people... Yeah. Can, like it's To me, the beauty is, and it's the same with Lance, I love how ridiculously long his yeah. videos are, and I love that he never gave in. That like yeah. for years, people are like, "Well, could you put out a short version and your long version?" And no. he's like, "No, yeah. I'm gonna talk for as long as I want. I'm gonna talk longer." Because, I, and you're not, he probably did because of that. <laughs> I remember when we were first when we were first gonna do Board of Life, uh, we were looking at kind of what was out there, stuff like that. And I had been following board games with Scott, like, since sure. a long time ago. Like, he was yeah. 
really That's early, fair. and then I kind of fell off with all that stuff, and so then I got back in, and like I knew about Lance and Dice Tower and all that stuff, and we were going like, man, I think we can make our episodes as long as we want to make them. There are people that are getting like thousands <laughs> of views that are making two-hour-long videos. Yeah. Um, but and that's the thing too with like we do playthrough videos and we'll do the whole game and it's like I can't sit there and watch a game played for an hour and a half. Like no. I I watch Rado pretty regularly and I learn games from Rado even though yes. obviously he often has rules mistakes but they pop up. But <laughs> I'm not learning up. exclusively. Like I've read the rule yeah. book and then I'm yeah. watching how it's implemented. Watch it play out. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so that's what I'll do, but, like, I am not the type of person that can sit and watch people play a game for two hours. Like, it does not interest me. Um, but you mean you don't watch it... Minecraft for seven hours on YouTube? What? <laughs> I don't watch anything for seven hours. Um, and so I don't watch my own stuff for that long. And so, like, but clearly there is that community uh, yeah. online that, I mean, this, you know, we're almost we're two hours into a show and people watch this. So, like, yeah. there there is that, and that's kind of a cool, unique thing in board games because I don't think there's a lot of other media where people will just, like, sit and no. watch people talk about a thing they like for that long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Uh, what, what I wanted to get to um, while I was trying to interrupt <laughs> Tyler rudely... Sorry, Tyler. Sorry. No, no, uh, no, 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 it was me. Um, <clears throat> is what Jared talked about uh, the feels, right? You know, write about the feels, talk about the feels. Um, more and more we're seeing in game design land, so I'll bring it back to game design, is the whole idea of UX and user experience. Mm -hmm. Am I breaking up? A little, but nope. you're good. Okay. Um, so user experience and UX and taking that into account as a designer. And I'm hoping that the reviewers are kind of following that trend as well um, in that they're going to be writing or talking about their user experience from the game point of view, from playing the game, as opposed to giving me the, you know, this is a nice box and it's three millimeter, you know, punch board components and blah, blah, blah. I know all that stuff. I, I can open a box myself. And it, actually, that was the biggest thing. When people started doing unboxing videos, that whoa, just whoa. amazed me. Whoa, easy yeah. now. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> it just amazed me. No, and you know what? I, I, I think... You know some, what? There's such a crazy demand for that. Yeah, some people want them, and that's fine. I mean... At Essen and Gen Con, I don't know why there's not just someone who has a booth, but they just constantly are unboxing games. I've yeah. been telling all these. a live stream of unboxing. Aldi backs every single gaming Kickstarter for yeah. Board Game Week, and that dude has like has just dozens of games delivered yeah. per week. Well, I'm telling him he should just pay somebody minimum no, no. wage. You know that back that back room at Essen where they're packing yeah. those games? They have to open them up anyways. They should they just do. throw a live feed in the back room. Yeah. While they're punching them open, someone's yeah. gonna watch that. There's gonna be so many people watching that channel. It's so creepy. And yeah. then and then they're gonna use them for the show up front where then they pitch it. And I mean I get it. I get that people like to see it un un unboxed and all that kind of stuff. But that's I don't need to know that ahead of time. What I want to get from people when I'm looking to buy a game or purchase a game is very briefly you know, maybe briefly the rules overview, maybe very briefly the components, but really what I want is your feels. I want to know how you felt while you played the game. What did you experience? And if there's a reviewer out there that does that really well, that guy or girl or team of guys uh, and or girls. Dan Thurow, spacebiff.com is your guy. He is my absolute favorite game reviewer in the industry. Yeah, and then he, I mean, that he needs to be, you know, shouted from the mountaintop. What's his name again? Uh, Dan Thurow, spacebiff.com. Spacebiff.com. Thank you. I will go look up his stuff. Subscribe. You'll get, like, two emails a week. His stuff is brilliant, and he focuses on... So there are two narratives in every game. There's the narrative that the game presents, and then there's the narrative that the players create while they play, right? Like, like Dan Thurow writes about both. He, he writes about the narrative the players created while they play, I'm sorry, he writes about the game's narrative through the context of the narrative the players create while they play. Perfect. And that, that's really what I'm very interested in. I, I, right. I always, I know my game is done, like I've said this before, I know my game is done when people talk about their game, the game in a very live fashion. Like, when I did this, this happened, and yeah. I, I thought I could do this, and I was doing this because this represents this to me, and that's engagement, and that's cool, and that's an experience, and that's what I want to hear about, that this game brought me this. Because, and I'll put it out there, a game like um, 
so Sentinels of the Multiverse is a game that I, you know, sometimes I rag on it a little bit, sorry guys, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Um, so Sentinels of the Multiverse, you know, I read the back of the box, I watched some, you know, component or unboxing of it, so yeah, it looks okay, let's, let's get it. But it doesn't give me, the game didn't give me the feels of being a superhero that I think, you know, if, I, if there was somebody... Yeah. Who, who could write a review about the experiences of the players or did do that better than what I found, then I would have been a little more informed. And I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm saying it wasn't a game for me or didn't meet my expectations. That's really what it is. Because yeah, there's the, definitely some cool parts feeling, about the game. If the feeling was conveyed accurately, then you could have made a more accurate choice. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. I think, I think the challenge with that in that we... In order to be, in order for it to be a financially viable thing for you to be a full-time reviewer, which yep. four or five people are, yep. um, you have to North America. Yes, like you have to do so many reviews. You have to produce so much content. Yep. Um, because in order to get to the top, you had to do that in the first place, and then to stay there, you have to continue doing that, and it's so much work. The idea, you know, I. You can read a rule book and play a game once and get a feel for it. Yep. A feel that's good enough for you to give a rule yeah, over you. This is, this is it. For sure. But in order to like know confidently how it plays, what how it plays with different types of people, how it plays with different groups, there's such a huge time investment in that that yep. it's not a viable thing if you want to make a living at it. Yeah. But this so, is where this is though I love that point, but then this is where I'm confused is the hobbyist who's making videos should actually be king because they're just putting out a few with passion instead of you know the the professional who's pounding them out. Like wouldn't we hope I mean, they do, but they just a lot of them just emulate what the professionals do. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, but what that's where I go you know, the person who only puts out one a month, I, I want that person to just, like, crush it. Like, just make me fall in love or hate or or be intrigued or, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's the arms race, too, for being the first one to have a review out and the first, you know, in when the game is new, having a review out. Yeah, so there's a rush totally. there. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you, you know, shut up and sit down doing one a week that is well-produced, that is, you know... Yeah. Yep. That kind of thing is more what they're looking at. But again, they're coming from it from video game journalism, and they've figured out how to monetize it in a different way that works. Yep. Um, and they have other revenue streams, writing for other things. So, well, like, and I, I don't know if a game for them is necessarily they're trying to evoke the emotion of the game. I think they're trying to put together a good episode. I think that's sure. yeah. also more yeah. the motivation there. Yeah, which I'm not saying they're... The, the perfect the model that everybody should strive for. You know, it's no, a no. thing it's the thing that like Sen said earlier where it's like the fact that you are basically self employed if you're doing this. There's no nobody that can like yep. pay for all this stuff for you to actually have unbiased journalism. Um, yeah, Disney's not buying the tax power anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so we just need we need the spiel to start a North American division. Yeah, but no yeah. North American reviewer could work could work with Spiel. Because spiel de no, Jar? Yeah, because no like it is part of the rules for Spiel de Jarus that none of their judges at any level anywhere in their organization can have any professional tie to any job in the industry at all. Correct. Or have designed a game. Right. They allow none of that, right? They keep it completely separate, man. Checks and balances. I love cool. that though. That's where I say, like, if they came over and they started unleashing right. some fans of board games to critically and passionately write what they love about the games they're playing. Yeah, but I mean, like, every board Ooh. game reviewer here secretly just wants to get a job working for whatever company just posted that they're hiring, right? AEG <laughs> <laughs> this week. Right. But what if that job could be reviewing board yeah. games that yeah. is from someone else? You know, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing where, like, uh, the only thing that I see realistically that has the money to do it would be Board Game Geek, and they don't need to do it because their whole site is people passionately talking well, about... It's like a, it's, yeah, they're, they're a meta-collector of yeah. right, exactly. other people's reviews, right? Right, and so, like, you know, I don't... <laughs> the industry keeps growing, and it, 
I think that will happen. I, it won't be us though. It's gonna be yeah. it's no, gonna be, be video game well. sites like Polygon or AB yeah. Club or yeah. those sites yeah. that are already starting CV2. to board game yeah, well, yeah, you see them. You see them picking up on uh, you know like when uh, Bloodborne mm-hmm. um, yeah. was re- yeah. the news was released. You know they're up on that because it's a video game IP, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it's important. Important to like. It, it won't come, the big monetization won't come because somebody builds an audience. It'll be somebody bringing an audience to the hobby, right? Probably, yeah. Well, I, I saw something that fascinated me today was Polygon reported on both um, the BGG uh, Golden Geek Awards and the yes. RPG Awards, and the RPG one actually had a rundown of every single one of those RPGs. That's wow. interesting. It was super valuable because I knew, like, four of them, but the RPG, indie RPG world is, like... Pretty separate, and I'm into it, but like I didn't really know. Well, about and it's, it's, of them. it's quite huge because yeah. self-publishing that stuff is relatively yeah. easy. But like, in terms there's of not producing, right? Right. There's <laughs> not the crossover, and it's you know, it's mm-hmm. board games are a whole deep rabbit hole that you go down. Mm-hmm. And that's a different one. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Even oh, yeah, though I, sure. I mean, I literally I'm totally, this I'm totally whole shelf. Yeah, I mean, like here, I will show you this entire shelf right here is just indie board games, like, or wow. indie RPGs. This entire thing. This is mainstream ones, this is indies. And I still feel like I have no idea what's going on in yeah. the board game world, or in oh, the yeah. RPG yeah. world. Like, every day, somebody will tell me a new one-shot I should play. Yeah. I, I love one-shot RPGs. And there's, there Thousands are them. fascinating things happening there because there's not a ton of money to be had yeah. But there's not a ton of cost in producing it. No, and they're they're wonderful, yeah. wonderful. So um, there's all sorts of risk. It's cool. Food truck destruction derby, hey? Yeah, that's the new one shot you should play. Being co-published by Waitress Games and Ninth Level Games. Uh, oh yeah, who's, who's in Waitress Games or Jr? Uh, me, Brian, <laughs> Cody, and Philip. Ah, the and fight knife, Matt Fightmaster. Cool. Maybe fight a new master. guy, depending on uh, whether or not that works out. So we'll cool. see. Ooh. Excellent. Um. One other thing that, uh, so I've actually heard from several people, actually lots of people, um, just talk, we're talking about shut up and um, sit down, was that they actually feel that they misrepresent some games on I their don't. show because they, they, they are, like Daryl said, looking for making a good episode as opposed to reviewing a game properly. Thoughts? I wouldn't, I don't, I would say, I wouldn't say misrepresent. I would say that they are looking for a different thing in games than I am looking for, and they are very wisely targeting a different audience than a lot yes. of hardcore board game mm, people. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. That's I would a good definitely say the audience is a major factor. I yeah. would also say there's a freedom in creativity and art that maybe you know the game isn't the centerpiece of the story. So sure, I, right? think yep. I think them as characters are actually... a yeah, a more central piece to their storytelling, and they're using the the game as some tool to get to a certain story. Yeah, where it doesn't. We can experience them, not experience the game. It sure. feels like every episode of Shut Up and Sit Down that I've watched, and I've probably bought a half dozen games because of the reviews. It isn't like this episode is about this game. It's like this episode is about Paul and Quinn's who played a yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, Paul and Quinn who played a game, and yeah. you might also like it. Yeah, it was sure. like what they did, but it wasn't the point of the show. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they misrepresent it though because I don't think for the sake of the show they will say they like a game they don't like or dislike a game they do like. Right. I will yes, I would, that, I would say this though they're right. definitely not making content the way that a publisher wants them to make content. Thank huh. God for that. That's I'm not saying that. Yeah, I don't know, exactly. man. I think they sell more games than the Dice Tower does. So I, I think, think that's they sell but I think they also crush. Yeah. I think yeah, there's maybe. Some games that are killed. Maybe. I don't know. I I feel like... So so here's my thing. I don't agree with them a lot. Like, a lot yeah, of the yeah. time. Yep. But I also don't watch them for that reason. Um, right. I know the kind of experience... They're looking to have a new, unique experience that the people at the table are all having a blast that can bring yep. new people into the hobby. Yep. And I like Euro games. Like, I play everything, but... Yep. My favorite games are like midweight Euro games. Same. Um, yeah. And those aren't those games. No. Yeah. And that's fine. It, I mean, it's the same with the Dice Tower. Like, knowing the reviewer, I, yeah. I can watch a thing, whether or not they like it, and decide whether or not I like it. Sure. Um, and but, I understand that they are 
they're really approaching it. Their audience is their audience, right? Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of their audience doesn't own games that they haven't reviewed. They yeah. go with them because that's the, their only window. Just like tabletop, game. right? Just yeah. like tabletop, as seen on tabletop. Yeah. It's, that's a really, really interesting point, Chris, because I mean, you really do need to know your audience. Yeah. As a reviewer, as a uh, content provider, as a content creator, and vice versa, your audience needs to know you. Like if you're if you're just looking for reviews, you need to know what you know biases and quirks that particular reviewer has mm-hmm. before you can put as much weight into their rating of a game, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I I struggle with it with the board game news every week, where my board game news is for people that are heavily into the hobby, yep. and it w- when it was on. Um, the Moonrat channel, which it was for years, yep. I'd get about 2,000 views a week, which is fine. I'm happy with that. And right. I just moved it to its own channel so that Board with, uh, Board with Life could kind of take the front seat. And we didn't want to scare people off because we feel like our show can be watched by people that don't like board games and be a nice introduction. Yep. Totally. But if the next video is like a thing about this whole industry they don't know, it'd scare them off. So we moved sure. it to a new channel. Um, I was wondering about that. I like that. I was just yeah. curious why that. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah and so. And so now it gets about 600 views a week, and I'm sure it'll go up from there because it moved and blah, blah, blah. But I, because it is so kind of inside baseball, right, it's for people that keep up week to week with stuff. Totally, totally. I wonder a lot if I should stop doing the most recent news and start, like, doing more explanation. I'll, I'll mention a designer's name offhand and not explain what they've done, anything right. like that. Yep. Where when I first started, if I if I said Antoine Bowser has a new game, or Antoine Bowser just won the Spiel des for Hanabi, yep. he's designed these games, and I'd like pick up the game, show them, talk about the game, um, stuff like that. Which, right, which for us, we don't need to know that. We know who Antoine right. Bowser is. Yeah. So I kind of have been going back and forth mm-hmm. on where I need to follow. Yeah, that I mean that's right a level of accessibility, right? Exactly. Yeah. And right now it's not because I'll you know, most people, even most people that are. So people that go to Gen Con, what, 20% of those people know Uwe Rosenberg? 10%? Like, yeah, I would a, say less. Yeah. That's like a foregone, obviously, he's a superstar. It's like saying Martin Scorsese is as yeah. for directors. But most people, even most people fans of board games that are spending money, have yeah. no clue who designed them. Well, that I mean, to be honest, that's part of our origin story was that we, we were like, it's crazy that every reviewer is, like, worshipped at yeah. a con, but then... They're, they're chatting to a designer saying, like, oh, what's next thing you're... And people are interrupting constantly the reviewer. Yeah. And the their favorite designer is right there, and they yeah. have no clue. I mean, and, it's like actors versus directors, right? Like, yeah. I come from a filmmaking background, so I'm excited about the director, but most people are excited about the actor talking to the director, and that's sure, yeah. really what we are as, on the media side, is we are the face of things. Yeah. Yeah, so it's so, it's so very, very interesting. Uh, just uh, a shout-out to John and Ben and Matt for reaching number one on the hotness with oh, Wayside nice. Express. Oh, yeah. nicely done, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. They just I got am super down. pumped about that game. I was just looking at my transporter map the other day. <laughs> Every I, I time I think it, of that game, I think Daryl make that game. Wait a minute. It is so funny. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know this story, it's actually... Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. JR is fading out. Oh, JR's okay. going to go. I'm going to go to bed. Chris, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, you okay. too. All right. We'll talk to you later, JR. This will be my last one. Good night, JR. Good night, guys. Uh, one of the, the follow-up game designs that Steve and I did from the Walled City is we were like, oh, let's do something that's a little more like Ameritrash. And so we came up with a game that we project name was Transporter, and it was like you souped up these trucks in a post-apocalyptic world. It was a pickup and delivery. There were four major gangs. <laughs> and it was based on Daryl moving to Kitchener, where <laughs> everything that you had, you had to go through like roundabouts. 12 roundabouts to get to his house. It was crazy. So, so I just like, all of a sudden I drove through these roundabouts and I came up with a game mechanic. I was like, oh yeah, we're going to apply this, but to that world, do something with like souping up these cool like trucks. We made it. We pitched it. A bunch of people liked it, but then a whole bunch of people were like, no, that's too dark a theme. You should change it. And so we changed it to like New York City cabs. Oh yeah, I remember around. getting getting Ketchki. <laughs> and, and oh man, it sucked. I remember going and having a I it had really a meeting at, at Z-Man headquarters and they're like, yeah, let's see the changes. And I dropped it and we played a few rounds. And they were just like, where's that game where you, like, 
it was like kind of like cool, like you added guns to your, like it was all dark and post. I'm like, uh, we were told that that theme would never sell, and we just shelved it. And now I get to see what could have been. I had that with Crazy Carts, seeing Crazy Carts coming out. I yeah. I designed that game. <laughs> I like, I was like, I, I was like, what? What if Robo Rally was like a team game with like two players? Nobody's making team games. And like both of you were like controlling the same thing, and you had yeah. to. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh, uh, oh, dang it, dang! But in a weird way, I'm actually really happy because now I get to see the game that I dreamed of, and I get <laughs> to play it. And I'm a big fan of Ben and Matt and John, so I'm like, sweet. Well, I get to play the game I wished was in the world. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, maybe that will inform your decisions in terms of if you revive. The other, des- the other design, right? There's sure, sure. Now we just it's definitely, and we it's think definitely a different things. game. The mechanics oh, yeah, yeah. were horribly the different. The mechanics were totally different. It was just, yeah, it's just funny. Over time, and and I'm sure this happens more and more with designers, parallel design, yeah. like so many designs coming out. That would be a good topic one day. We're being inspired by each other's work. So it just it just happens. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. It is 1.30 in the freaking morning. Holy yeah. cow. This it's is time awesome, for bed. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much, Chris. Us. Yeah, glad to. And uh, to, to our fans out there, keep uh, throwing us messages and ideas. And uh, honestly, uh, your interaction with, like, topics and, uh, you know, just chatting with us inspires us and uh, really gives us a lot of good material. So um, that's what we're doing over the summer. So please, especially... Let us know what ideas and topics you want us to cover. Let us know what guests you would love to hear from. Yeah, let, it, um, let us know kind of anything. I mean, like somebody anything. just said, maybe you could have a designer bio on the Meeple Syrup page, and that's a great right. idea. That's a great idea. Is to have designer yeah. bios just of everybody yeah. we've ever had as a guest. Exactly. So all wonderful. that stuff, we're in, like, eat it up mode. We're trying to gather all that good, good stuff and uh, hopefully start in September with a lot of your ideas. So uh, with that said, thank you very much. Keep making great games, and we look forward to trying them soon. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.